Welcome to the Capital News. I'm your host, Alex Caritas. Today is Tuesday, March 1st, 2022. Thank you so much for joining me. Hope you're all doing well. The title of today's podcast, The State of Disunion. If you took the time this evening to listen or watch the President's State of the Union address, it's an hour, hour and a half of your life that, of course, you are not going to get back. It was an uninspiring speech. Uh, There was nothing that stood out in the speech that seemed anything different, uh, par for the course. No change in attitude, no change in really uniting and unifying the country. There's a lot going on. The Biden administration simply does not have that many wins to brag about. They just don't. They don't know what they're doing. Which, you know, unfortunately has been the case for many of our prior administrations as well. That's why we are in a state of disunion. That's why we are a banana republic. But before I get into all of that, the markets, Russia, Ukraine, I just want to mention, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably not listening to it on Spotify. I was informed last week by a good friend of mine and the co-author of The Cynic's Guide to Investing, my good friend Brad, he called me because a friend of his, who's an acquaintance of mine, who he introduced, started listening to the podcast, likes the podcast. He reached out to Brad and said, I listened to Alex on Spotify, and I know he had a couple new podcasts that come out. But now I can't seem to find the Capital News on Spotify. So, obviously, I've been away the past several months. I am back. Again, not necessarily on a fixed schedule yet, but we'll see what happens there. It's going to be sporadic, but I am here. There will be some consistency. So we had episode, what, 618 come out? 619. I think it was 619 that did it. And the pandemic start the war. That must have been the one that I guess was picked up on Spotify's radar. Evidently, they didn't like it. I don't know if they didn't like the headline. I mean, the podcast, I heard from several people that they thought it was one of my best ones yet. Which, of course, I appreciate. And the pandemic start the war. That whole podcast was about peace, about freedom, of, of, of let's stop this nonsense. But I guess that's not what Spotify wants to hear. Now I'm going to do a little bit more digging into it. If I should wear this as a badge of honor. It's not like I have tens of thousands of people listening to this podcast. One day that will be the case. It'll be more than that. But that's not the case right now. So are they just nipping this in the butt or what's going on here? This is ridiculous. United States of America, this type of behavior should not be happening on platforms that give voice to the people. If you don't like what I'm saying, that's perfectly fine. I don't expect everybody to agree with me. Nobody bats a thousand. I'm allowed to change my mind too. If you don't like what I'm saying, don't listen or challenge me. 
Don't censor me. And don't censor other people either. Now, there are reasons, perhaps, to censor somebody if you want to go down that road. But there is nothing that I said that warrants the removal of my podcast from Spotify. It just doesn't. So I'll keep you updated on what I can find out from there. I'm not expecting it's probably going to be like fighting City Hall, but you know what? Got to try. So back to the news. So let's get to market performance here because, you know, this is very much why we are in a state of disunion, very much so why we are a banana republic, is because we cannot get a handle on this economy. It's plummeting. Even the Federal Reserve in Atlanta, their forecast for GDP for the first quarter of this year has now been reduced to zero. So you know what that means, ladies and gentlemen, if that should come to fruition. A stagnant economy, no growth, minimal growth, with inflation and rising inflation is known as stagflation. Which if you've been with me for a while, you know that that's what was coming. You know that that's where we are, that's where we have been, and it's what we're going to have to contend with for quite a while. Because there's no leadership, there's no accountability. That was on display, unfortunately, this evening. This president has no idea how the economy functions. Even made a comment about the Senate confirming his Federal Reserve nominees so that they can fight inflation, which is utterly ridiculous. They are the cause of it. They are not going to fix it. And now, with what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, it gives the Federal Reserve, and other central banks for that matter, perfect cover to say, look, there's further uncertainty. Central bankers are some of the luckiest people on the face of the earth, aren't they? When the global economy was rolling over and markets started to sense it, up, oh, here's a pandemic. When the pandemic is starting to come to an end, and now the Fed and other central banks have to contend with inflation and put the economy at risk by having to fight it and putting markets at risk by having to increase interest rates to combat said inflation, up oh, now there's a war. Now there's another distraction. Now there's another boogeyman. And on top of all of it, central bankers, and of course in the United States, it's finally getting a little bit more news coverage. Not too much, but a little bit, which is better than nothing. Is how members of the Federal Reserve were making vast amounts of money trading the markets because they knew perfectly well what decisions they were going to make before they made them and before they announced them. They traded on insider information. They got caught red-handed. What happened? Oh, well, we're going to resign. Uh, we're going to retire. Well, did you sell off your portfolio? Did you give it to a charity instead? No. Well, and in fact, we don't even know what they're going to do with it because they're retired and they're resigned. They're gone. And it doesn't matter if there's an inspector general doing an investigation. Nothing's going to happen to these people. They're lucky, 
aren't they? They get to trade on insider information. They get to print money. When things are about to go bad, oops, there's a pandemic. It's all the pandemic's fault. When that starts to end and they got to actually do something, oh, there's a war with Russia and Ukraine. We got another boogeyman. We have another out. They're just completely lucky. All distraction, all diversion. Now, I'm not saying that this is all fake because that's very real. You see the bombs going off. You see people dying. It's, it's catastrophic. For no reason either. Because in 2022, we are still getting upset about arbitrary lines written and drawn up on arbitrary maps all over the place. And people are ready to go to war over this stuff. It's ridiculous. But that's where we are. Again, no leadership, no accountability. That's why this is all, unfortunately, likely to get worse, much worse, before it gets better. Market performance. Crude oil overnight is up another 5%, trading at $108 per barrel. That's WTI. Brent, also up 5% overnight, $110 per barrel. No, there's no inflation, nothing to see here, folks. Not going to lead through to anything. Gold and silver both had strong days, up a couple and few percentage points respectively. Gold now trading at $1,937 an ounce. Silver trading at $25.13 an ounce. Both starting to break out of a several-month-long period of consolidation. Is this just going to simply be a flight to safety and all of this uncertainty, or is something afoot? I believe something is... A foot. Now, of course, these markets are heavily manipulated. We know this. This is a fact. This is not conspiracy theory. This is not conjecture. We know the major banks that get smacked with big fines, sometimes not even large fines, deferred prosecution agreements, the whole shebang, manipulating precious metals and other markets. But markets, at the end of the day, no matter how greatly manipulated they may be, cannot fight off forever economic gravity, the realities that exist on this planet. You want real wealth, you want to protect your wealth, precious metals, commodities. It's where you need to look. Wheat hit $10 a bushel earlier today. That's a decade high. Okay, so you have to go back to 2011, even before that, really. But I bring up 2011, 2012, because that was the birth of the Arab Spring. And then, and we were, we, we, we have been mentioning this for really the past couple of years. Because I can see over the hill to what's coming next. The writing's on the wall. What you have to do is you have to stop and think. What you have to do is not listen to the mainstream media, and you can see this stuff. Pretty much as clear as day. So a couple years ago, of course, we had this coming. And we had wheat prices and other agricultural commodities going up. Not at these levels. Of course, I said it was going to get worse, and here it is. And now with what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, because they combined supply the global economy with 25% of our wheat you are seeing wheat prices go through the roof. 
But a decade ago, we had higher agricultural commodity prices, but we also had oil at these prices again. That's what we were waiting for. We were waiting for oil to get to these prices in tandem with agricultural commodities. So what else have I been harping on for the past couple of years? Our protests, social unrest, massive political instability, and the importance of understanding that the price of wheat, really the price of bread, is a great barometer for revolution and political instability. Now, maybe this will just be a one-off. Maybe this will be a quick spike up, and then it will collapse down. That's always a possibility in these markets. You don't know what's going to come down the pike. If there's some sort of uh, ceasefire agreement or a peace treaty of some sort between Russia and Ukraine, and of course I would imagine that the United States and NATO nations and the European Union would be involved in that as well. You don't know what's going to come down the pike next, but saying that that doesn't happen and doesn't happen anytime soon, we're going to continue to see upward prices, upward pressure on these commodity prices. Even if there is. Uh, a peace treaty or some type of ceasefire, we're still going to see commodity prices move higher at the end of the day because the inflation genie is out of the bottle. This is just a nice cover story for central bankers and politicians to say it's not our fault that we passed Nobody Cares Act 1.0, 2.0, and 3.0. It's, it, it's not our fault. Like Joe Biden was up there praising the $1.9 trillion they passed when he got in there, adding fuel to the fire. But no, that had nothing to do with it. That's not inflationary, ladies and gentlemen. The inflation is all COVID-19's fault. And now that that's dissipating, of course, everybody in Congress, they didn't have to wear their masks. You see, you saw that. It's, it's just done. Now everybody can hug and kiss and shake hands. No problem. After they destroy businesses, it's perfectly fine because the president had to give a speech that he can mumble through this evening. But hey, pandemic's over. Don't worry about it. Hmm. See how that works, too. Different class of citizens here. But I'm glad. Good. Finally. Finally. If that's what it took, that we had to listen to Joe Biden for an hour and a half, mumble through a speech that allows us now to stop having to wear the masks and get back to normal, fantastic. I guess that was worth it. And then tomorrow we have... Jay Powell, chairman of the Federal Reserve, will be giving testimony to Congress. It'll be very interesting to see what he has to say. Of course, he will say, well, there is a lot of uncertainty. We still, And of course, he's going to play everything up because, again, no responsibility, no accountability. They don't really want to increase interest rates unless they want to prick this bubble. Unless they want to make this whole thing collapse, which is obviously a possibility. But they really haven't been leaning that way. They're more towards, well, the steady approach, steady as she goes. Maybe we'll increase interest rates a little bit, 25 basis points here, 25 basis points there. Not going to do a damn thing to combat inflation that is out of control, 7.5% and climbing. Real inflation is closer to 15%. So there's no way that they are going to have any meaningful impact on inflation by increasing interest rates by 25 basis points every month even for the remainder of the year. You're not going to get anywhere. You're going to get up to one and a half, two percent 2%, maybe. And he still can blame 
COVID-19. He can still hide behind COVID-19. He can still say, well, there might be another strain that comes, so we just want to sort of wait and see. He can still point to supply chain disruptions that are still in existence. And of course, maybe getting worse with what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. So he can connect the dots as, as much as he wants to, to paint a story that says it's not our fault. But we stand ready to do what we can do to help the American people that they've been screwing over since their inception. $30 trillion in debt, not helping the American people, facilitating an inept and incompetent Congress. Again, folks, 97 to nothing, no votes for America. You remember it. The Nobody Cares Act, okay? They don't care about you. Stop voting for these people. There were no serious policy programs put forward this evening because they don't have any. These out-of-control energy prices that we continue to see and will continue to see are getting worse because of the policies that we have in place. The Democrats don't want to open up oil and gas fields. They don't want to open up more pipelines. And as I stated on a couple of podcasts prior, because of these policy errors, and that's exactly what they are, you have oil and gas companies in this country and globally afraid to invest in future projects related to oil and gas, to go out and drill and try to find new discoveries. Because they don't know when what government is simply going to say, you're done. Or you got to pay this tax, or you got to pay these fines, you got to pay these fees, just to be in business. Those management teams of those companies have a duty to their shareholders. That's how this works. And they're not going to throw billions, maybe perhaps tens of billions of dollars into a project that is risky by its very nature, just to have the government say, you're shut down. So instead, and what we're seeing recently, is a lot of these major oil, gas, oil and gas companies repurchasing their shares. Now, of course, we know what that does. It's going to at least artificially boost their share price. But guess what? It's going back to the shareholders in that way. Increasing their dividends. That's what I would rather see, and that's some, somewhat what they're doing as well. But what we really want to see is capital expenditure. That's what we want to see. We want to see more supply coming onto the market. More supply means stable prices, and in a competitive market, lower prices. It needs to be all of the above. These liberals are out of their minds. It makes zero sense. Period. End of story. There's nothing to debate. Because then these same liberals will complain about the price of living. They'll complain about, oh, how the single mother can't take care of her kids and how it costs $50 to fill up her gas tank. Of course it does because of your policies. Very simple to connect the dots. They can't do it. All about the poor people, the poor people, the poor people. 
Poorer people spend a disproportionate amount of their income on energy and housing, utilities, groceries, compared to the affluent. Again, not rocket science. Easy to figure this out. That's why inflation is so devastating to those on the lower rungs of the income bracket. They feel it. And as we know, and the middle class in this country is getting squeezed and squeezed and squeezed, smaller and smaller and smaller. That's why we are going to have political instability, because more and more people are going to feel the adverse effects of inflation. This was inevitable based upon what we have passed. This goes back, I mean, this goes back multiple administrations, but the pedal to the metal under the Obama administration, the Trump administration, and a continuation under the Biden administration. $30 trillion in debt. This is why the Federal Reserve, as I stated a couple podcasts ago, this is why the Federal Reserve cannot increase interest rates. Because our borrowing costs will go through the roof. Our interest payments, just the interest payments that we have to make, not the principal, just the interest payments would go through the roof. They're already significant enough as it is. And this is with interest rates at record lows for the past decade. Now, the market may have something to say about this, and time will tell as to what happens there. So stay tuned. Soybeans flirting with $17 a bushel again, pretty much a decade high there. Lumber, $1,373 per 1,000 linear board feet, again, flirting with all-time highs. So that's going to continue to add higher prices to the construction of new homes and anything else that is being built. And that's just lumber. you got to take into consideration all your other building materials as well. Same song and dance we went through several months ago. Last year, same thing. So this is just getting started. And, and, and it is important to note when we look at the currency markets, this is all on the back. This is all happening with a dollar that is strengthening against a basket of currencies. We have the dollar index trading at 97 spot 42. 97 spot 42 on the dollar index. Again, this is against a basket of currencies. Of course, all major currencies and minor currencies are losing their value. It is being eroded due to the effects of inflation. But the dollar index is heavily weighted against the euro, and the euro is hitting near two-year lows. Okay, so I mentioned this many, many times before as well. Because these markets are broken, because they are so manipulated, that we are going to see some funny things, meaning correlations, traditional correlations would break down. This is what we're witnessing. We have silver, gold up. We have other precious metals up. We have commodities going up. Meanwhile, we also have the dollar increasing again against those basket of currencies. This is typically not the case. Typically, you have yet a stronger dollar. You have lower oil prices or at least stabilizing oil prices and commodity prices. That's not what we are seeing. All this stuff is going up right now. We'll see what happens. Now, can you imagine what would happen if the dollar should decrease? 
yet we still have this backdrop of all of these other inflationary pressures, geopolitical instability, you name it. How much higher precious metals, industrial metals, and agricultural commodities could go? How much higher? Through the roof. The other thing that we have to take into consideration, obviously, and I'm always mindful to bring this up, is how the U.S. dollar can be a wrecking ball. Now, all, another reason why the dollar is appreciating, okay, you can say it's a safe haven currency. It's one of them compared to all of the other crap currencies that are out there, still a reserve currency. We still have the petrodollar system. But we also have an immense amount of U.S. dollar-denominated debt that is circulating throughout the system. You have a lot of smaller, weaker nations that issue their debt in U.S. dollars in order to attract investors because a lot of investors don't want the added currency risk of investing or being paid back in that nation's domestic currency. Too unstable, too big of a risk, so we're not going to touch it. So those countries understand that. And they say, okay, well, we'll pay you in U.S. dollars. They'll say, oh, well, if you're going to pay me in U.S. dollars... I'll buy your bonds, but we can, we can work that agreement out. Well, look at what's going on here. All of this debt is coming due. And again, it's not just the principal. It's the interest. Countries can't pay it. Companies can't pay it. Zombie companies, zombie countries, you name it. East, west, north, and south. Interest rates go up just the tiniest that's it. It can prick this entire bubble. It won't take much. And hell, maybe even commodities won't be safe. Maybe even gold and silver won't be safe. That's how destructive this could all be. That's why I always say stay diversified and stay vigilant because it's all we can do. We have maniacs at the helm. They don't know what they're doing. They're, they're the cause of all of this stuff. Housing prices continue to go up in the midst of all of this too. Case-Shiller Index, I'll have to do another podcast on this. Case-Shiller Index, still flirting up 18 plus percent. To put that in the context, that's still higher than the subprime crisis. 18% year over year. Housing prices never dropped during the pandemic. They just kept going up and up and up. Federal Reserve's balance sheet, $8.9 trillion, $2.7 trillion of that is in mortgage-backed securities. They had no business doubling their holdings of mortgage-backed securities over the past year and a half, but they did because they could, because nobody stops them, because nobody holds them to account. Now you will own nothing and you will like it. You get it? And now... I can imagine tomorrow when Jay Powell's up there before Congress, somebody's going to kiss his ass and say, oh, thank you, thank you, sir, for taking care of us and, and, and being a good steward of, of, of the Federal Reserve System and, and, and looking out for the American people. I mean, how these people get elected is beyond me, but hey, I guess they run. People say, I got to vote for somebody. Uh, red or blue? And there it is. And this is why we have the problems that we have, because nobody wants to take a stand. So there you got it. Uncle Sam's 10-year junk note is yielding 1.75%. 
So we have been seeing a flight to safety in the bond market as well, pushing yields lower. Again, we were flirting with 2% uh, just earlier uh, last week, uh, but now we are back down to 1.75% on Uncle Sam's debt, catching a bid for that safe haven classification. All right, now on to Russia and Ukraine here briefly. So President Trump, or excuse me, President Biden this evening obviously talked at length about Russia and Ukraine, but he reaffirmed that the United States is not going to get involved with Ukraine specifically, especially with sending troops into that theater, which is the right answer. We should not be sending troops into Ukraine. But he did say, of course, if Russia should move further west, let's just say into Poland or really any other NATO nation or any other European nation, for that matter, that the United States would get involved. Now, most definitely, if it was a NATO country, because Article, Article 5 would kick in, you hurt one, you attack one nation, you attack us all, blah, blah, blah. So basically, what that sounds like to me is what we knew a week ago when Russia started to invade Ukraine. This is now Russia or Vladimir Putin's sandbox, the Ukraine. That's his border. As long as he stays in his sandbox, he just has to deal with the Ukrainians who are also in that sandbox. Sure, there might be some help coming from NATO and the Germans and the United States. Okay, but we're not really fighting. We're not really sending troops into the area. Now, a lot of people say, well, look, uh, it's been a week. Russia already hasn't sacked Kiev. Uh, it looks like maybe the Ukrainians can pull this thing off. Look, it took us three weeks to take Baghdad. Okay, And there were no weapons of mass destruction there. That was all a lie to get into war. We know that. We know we've been giving the Ukrainians for years weapons of mass destruction, so they had them. Okay, so they can fend for themselves at least a little bit. Again, I am not supporting Russia and Vladimir Putin. I'm just giving you the other perspective, the other side of this. Why is Vladimir Putin going into Ukraine? Okay, I went through this at length and the pandemic start the war. And of course, again, that got me banned from Spotify. Just another perspective. Putin does not want nuclear weapons on his border. Understandably so. We wouldn't want them here. I don't understand what's so difficult to comprehend with that notion, that whole idea. We don't want nuclear weapons on our borders Putin doesn't want them on his. You got it? And now you have President Zelensky of Ukraine. Oh, he's, he's, every, he's everybody's hero, which I think is ridiculous, personally speaking. I, I really do. I think it's ridiculous. And he, of course, oh, well, I'd like to join NATO uh, or I'd like to join the European Union. Now, I know this guy's a comedian. He is. But that's not funny. Who in their right mind would want to join the European Union? with all of the problems that are going on. Why would you want to give up your sovereignty to a bunch of unelected bureaucrats? We just went through all of this crap with Brexit a couple years ago and why they left. 
okay? The reasons not to be a member of the European Union are as long as my arm, okay? You don't want to be a part of it. Unelected bureaucrats dictating to you how to live your life. I mean, what is he trying to do? Trade one devil for another? Does he not see what they're doing? Low interest rates for a decade? Inflation? I mean, I guess he says, well, we, it's already bad enough here. Let's just go there. I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. But all that's going to continue to do is poke the bear with Russia. It's incumbent upon every leader of every nation to protect their citizens. That's goal number one. Protect them. If Zelensky, or let's let's just be honest too, the Ukrainians, that government, not even this one, prior governments are known to be corrupt. So let's not pretend that these are all angels and these are all saints and these are the best people ever. This is war. This is propaganda. The first casualty is always the truth. I don't care if it's coming out of CNN, MSNBC, Fox. You best believe they're lying to us. Coming out of RT Sputnik, coming out of Putin's mouth, you best believe they're lying to us. Okay? Is there going to be little bits of truth coming out? Of course there's going to be, but that's what you have to pick up on. You have to pick up on the signal through all of the noise. You have to ask yourself questions. What makes sense? Why is this happening? If I was this person, what would I do? Why would I do that? And if I was this person, why would I do that? Those are the types of conversations you have to have with yourself, your friends, your colleagues, whatever, to come to those answers. You can't just regurgitate what some idiot on CNN or Fox tells you. Because it's not going to do you any good, okay? We know what these pundits say. We know the war machine that is the United States of America. We know what trouble it's gotten us into. So why do we want to continue to listen to the same people that got us into this mess? Again, clear as day, don't understand it, but that's what we do. I guess people just can't think for themselves. They don't want to think for themselves. So this is what we have to continue to deal with. So the Ukrainian government, current administration, prior administrations, no saints, no angels. I mean, my God, even the Republicans, of course, who are now always coming to the rescue just to send military aid to anybody on the face of the earth, were railing against the Ukrainians a couple of years ago in the prior administration. All of the corruption that goes on over there. Everything they're hiding. Now, let's support them. Now, let's give them all, all these extra weapons, blah, 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 blah. Kick Putin's ass, send them to Timbuktu. I mean, that's nuclear war is what you're basically getting at here. It's a sad state of affairs. It's the state of disunion is, what it, is, where, is where we are. So, again, a com- incumbent upon... Every leader of every nation is to protect their citizens. Fight for freedom, justice, peace. If Zelensky and the Ukrainian government was really looking for a 
peaceful solution. It would be to stop flirting with joining the European Union and joining NATO. You know that's going to piss off the Russians and, and, and currently Vladimir Putin. Because Vladimir Putin knows what that means. Some high-powered weapons, perhaps even nuclear weapons, are going to be placed in Ukraine on Russia's border. Again, he doesn't want them there, just like we don't want them on our borders. Okay for us, not okay for them. This is what gets us into all this trouble. It's okay we do it, not so good if you do it. Hmm. That upsets people. Rightly so. This is what we contend with. That's likely what's going to end up happening anyway. It's unfortunate. All of the death and destruction that had to occur to get to where we're going to end up anyway. Which is going to likely be some sort of agreement where NATO, or excuse me, where Ukraine just says we're, we're just going to be a neutral player. We're just going to be a neutral body. We're not going to play sides. We're not going to cozy up with the European Union, attempt to join the European Union. We're not going to attempt to join NATO. We're not going to fight the Russians, blah, blah, blah. That's basically what's likely going to happen. I hope that's what happens. Because if it doesn't, then you can imagine what's going to happen. There's going to be escalation. Then we're really going to see some death and casualties and the destruction of a lot of buildings and property in Ukraine. That's still preventable. That is still preventable. But we're running out of time. Oh, boy. It is a crazy world, isn't it? Even though I said this stuff was going to happen, it's still hard to believe. It really is. Because it's for no good reason. All of the suffering that exists in this world, it's for nothing. We can print trillions of dollars, yet people starve to death. Yet people go to war. People go to bed hungry. People are sleeping on the streets. It is a state of disunion. And that's another thing that was sort of upsetting from both Biden and the Republican governor of Iowa who gave the rebuttal. They both pretty much ended their speeches with saying that the state of the union is strong. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. You have to level with the American people. You have to admit that there's a problem in order to solve the problem. That's what we need. That's what we need. I'm an optimistic and hopeful person. We can solve the problems that we have, but we have to admit that we have them. We can't keep saying it's, it's, it's unicorns and Tinkerbell. Can't do it. You have to level with the American people. You have to tell them the truth. You have to tell the American people that they're part of the problem. Because you don't pay attention. Because you continue to vote for the same people and expect different results. You have to become educated. You have to become informed. You have to become a part of the process. Not just when they put commercials out there every couple of years and say, go out and vote. You have to pay attention all the time. 
Eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. That's what we were taught. That's what we were told. Not vigilance every couple of years so you can go get a sticker that says I voted. All the time. And you have to be on guard all the time. Because freedom is the exception, unfortunately, on this planet and not the rule. Governments always want to establish themselves and they always want more and more power, which means you have fewer and fewer rights, fewer and fewer power as an individual. That's not how it's supposed to work, especially not in the United States of America. We can solve these problems. Our best days can be ahead of us, and I believe that they will be, but we have to get through all of this garbage that we have put ourselves into. But we're not going to get through it by doing the same thing that led us to this place. So that's it, ladies and gentlemen, the state of disunion. I'll be back this week, hopefully tomorrow, with another podcast. We'll see what Jay Powell has to say. We'll see what type of uh, stories unfold in the markets. We'll see what stories unfold with respect to Russia and Ukraine. And we'll talk a little bit more about the housing market because of how impactful it is for so many Americans. So stay diversified, stay vigilant, and stay with the Capital News. I am Alex Caritas. Godspeed.